Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, March 31st, 2023, the 800th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do in this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to continue listening to the podcast for free on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So the walls have finally closed in so much that they have created just a Trump-sized space. That's all the space there is between the walls as they've closed in. Just turns out Trump's not there. And eventually, Trump is going to use some sort of magic and put all these little communists right in that room and see what it's like when the wall really closes in, because it's certainly not happening this time. But they've tried. Donald Trump has been indicted. The first former president in American history has been indicted. The seal has been broken. Now there is the opportunity for more of these. We can just do them forever because all our precious norms are gone. Isn't that crazy? Now we're going to get to all that stuff, all the great indictment related news, but let's just take a second 
and review what's happened this week because there's been so much. We had a trans shooting of children at a Christian school in Tennessee, an attack by left-wing radicals radicalized into utter insanity through the gender agenda and other various systems of oppression that must have made life so bad for this person that the only way they could fix it was to go in and murder children in a Christian school. An act of terrorism made possible by the radical communist agenda that has been thrust on this country for years and years. We talked about TikTok and how TikTok is being made an example of because it's Chinese. And so what we need to either do is ban it outright or pass the internet version of the Patriot Act that makes it possible to punish any American for saying things online that dissent from the mainstream agenda. It allows the government to label people as foreign adversaries, citizens of this country, to be labeled as foreign adversaries so that they can be imprisoned and fined for saying the wrong things online. Obviously, the COVID and vax narratives continue to fall apart. We were told this week that the world being depopulated by 25% was a worthy goal and could be achieved if only we can reduce inequality. We have a full-blown color revolution in Israel as the global regime tries to maintain its death grip on that region forever. We have the Ukraine narrative collapsing. They're trying to figure out an excuse for the Nord Stream sabotage. They're freaking out about how Russia is going to chair the UN Security Council next week and spend their time debunking all of these nonsense global narratives that we've been subjected to over the last few years. We have Kenya saying goodbye to the dollar. We have Saudi Arabia and Brazil planning to trade in the yuan, even the mainstream media is freaking out about the loss of dollar hegemony. We have the still cascading banking crisis in California. They're trying to pass reparations bills. They're also passing a bill that says the state can take your kids away. If their mental health institutions determine that your 12 year old child isn't on the right path, we have this that I'll mention briefly from yesterday, didn't get to it. America First Legal posted this on Twitter yesterday. The National Archives admits to America First Legal that 1,170 pages of Biden's vice presidential records were found at the Penn Biden Center. They also admit they quote unquote lack custody of Biden's other misplaced records found in Delaware. Where are the records? On March 21st, America First Legal filed a FOIA request with the National Archives to obtain all of Joe Biden's misplaced records from his time as vice president during the Obama administration. Yesterday, we received a response from NARA admitting they have 1,170 pages of Biden's vice presidential records that were found at the Penn Biden Center. But those records are currently with special counsel Rob Herr. NARA admits they found nine boxes of materials at Biden's personal attorney's office in Massachusetts. NARA also says they lack custody of the records found in Biden's Delaware home, which begs the question, where are they? Do Biden's lawyers have them? Does the FBI have them? But hey, who cares about that? We're going to get Trump. 
Elon Musk tweeted this this morning. Algorithm goes open source at noon Pacific time. The algorithm goes open source at noon Pacific time. Is that the main Twitter algorithm? What are people going to find in there? And is that algorithm also just the algorithm used by other platforms as well? Is this all as connected as people believe it to be? We could know in just a couple short hours. Thank goodness we have that Trump indictment to worry about. Otherwise, people might pay attention to that. It's nearly impossible to believe, but there are still people on Twitter who think that the Twitter files aren't real and who still argue that Twitter wasn't working as a state actor while they censored people at the request of the government. And this is just a feeling I have, but I'm going to be kind of surprised if we don't get another massive major story before the end of the day. Maybe it's the Twitter thing. Maybe it's something else. But I feel like something else is coming down the pipe real fast. And hey, tomorrow is April Fool's Day. Anything could happen. Trump has been talking about April Fool's for a while. He's probably mentioned it, I don't know, 10 or 15 times multiple times in that speech in South Carolina and a whole bunch of times since talked about how every day is April Fool's Day. And we are indeed living in some sort of bizarro world. Even Elon Musk tweeted about that this morning. He said, if you don't like reality, just ignore it. Works in parentheses almost every time. And I wonder if he's mocking the people in the mainstream, the normies out there who have been denying reality for so, so very long, totally, totally captured by the false reality. Everything exists only inside the false reality. All of the facts, all of the moral judgment, complete and total inversions where they are still the good guys, totally detached from reality, but the best possible people within the false reality. And by the way, let's just talk about April Fool's Day for a second, because I just found this out. It's not something that I ever paid attention to in my entire life. But it turns out that April 1st used to be considered New Year's Day. This is from the Farmer's Almanac. Legends have it that April Fool's Day began in France in 1564. Prior to 1564, April 1st used to be celebrated as New Year's Day. Those who insisted on celebrating the old New Year's became known as April Fools, and it became common to play jokes on one another. Some also say it has nothing to do with Mother Nature fooling us. Sometimes a late March, early April storm brings snow, fooling us, since the calendar says it's spring. Truth is, no one really knows for certain what the origin of April Fool's Day is, though it's been celebrated in many varied cultures for hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. One popular story posits that the tradition began during the 16th century after Pope Gregory XIII decreed the switch from the Julian calendar to the Gregorian calendar. Prior to that time, the first day of April marked the start of the new year, but the new calendar moved the start of the year to January. According to this particular origin story, an April fool was someone who could be tricked into receiving visitors on April 1st for a New Year's celebration. And isn't that interesting? The people who lived their whole lives knowing that New Year's Day was April 1st had that 
changed on them capriciously and then were seen as the stupid people that didn't go along with the change that was made for no reason. It was stupid to go along with the way things always were. And you don't want to be seen as stupid. The best way to do that is by calling other people stupid, especially normal people. And immediately you see the party of false decorum emerge in the situation and the false reality emerge in the situation. I mean, imagine that one day you were just told, you know what? There's only six days in the week now. We don't have Sunday anymore. That's not God's day anymore. The next Sunday will simply be Monday. The Sunday after that will just be Tuesday. And in a few weeks, you'll forget that Sunday ever existed. And if you still want to talk about Sunday, we're going to call you stupid. If you even think about marking Sundays, oh, we're going to mark all of those days Sunday Fool's Day. And you don't want to be a fool. So there's just six days now. And it's amusing to think how we condition ourselves to ideas like this throughout our lives. We have no idea what it was like before, but we accept that the way it is now is the way it's always been, even though that's provably false. So Trump's talking about April Fool's Day. Maybe we get a Trump arrest tomorrow. Maybe the mugshot comes. What could be better than Trump being arrested on April Fool's Day after talking about April Fool's over and over and over again? I imagine that what they want out of this situation is a gigantic upfront media hit so that everybody knows that Trump is indicted. They're going to tell their people just run around saying Trump is indicted. Trump is indicted. Trump is indicted all the time. That's all you need to know. Oh, Trump supporters, those cultists, they're going to be so mad about it. Oh, you're going to torture them by saying Trump is indicted. Trump is indicted. And then something will come in and suck all of that oxygen out of the room and replace it with something else because they can't get too many days out of this story. Anybody who digs deeply into the details and tries to figure out what's going on here is going to find out that there's nothing going on. There's no underlying crime. He's just putting together misdemeanors. They're releasing a 34 count indictment next week. And that very high number is what has convinced people, oh, there must be some other stuff we don't know about. That's where the real stuff is. Hilarious. Try that one, commies. Tell everybody that it's not the stormy thing. It's going to be a bunch of other things he's actually indicted for. And then what happens if those don't come around? But hey, we'll have to see how it goes. Let's learn a little bit about the central narrative surrounding Trump's indictment. Washington Post. This is an opinion from the editorial board yesterday. Trump's indictment dropped around 515 Eastern. This article was published at 612 p.m. Eastern. Donald Trump deserves the legal scrutiny he's getting, which has come from many corners on many counts. Yet of the long list of alleged violations, the likely charges on which a grand jury in New York state voted to indict him are perhaps the least compelling. There's cause for concern and caution ahead. Now, that is pretty desperate framing, right? This one, the one he's indicted for, oh, well, this one's not that big a deal. But those other ones, who imagine what those other ones contain. We're just starting small here. 
Thursday's events are the result of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's decision early in his tenure to abandon a probe centered on the former president's business practices in favor of what had come to be known as the zombie case. The matter of a $130,000 payment made to adult film star Stormy Daniels in exchange for her silence about an affair she claims she had with Mr. Trump about a decade earlier. So again, she says the affair never happened. Trump says the affair never happened. And Michael Cohen says he made the payments without Trump's help. Czech writer Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's longtime lawyer and fixer, pleaded guilty to crimes related to the payment in 2018. Now, that framing related to the payment confirms for the Washington Post readership that something bad actually happened there and that it wasn't Michael Cohen being a liar. Though the precise charges aren't known. It's expected that prosecutors are now going after his boss for supposedly covering up his reimbursements for the favor. Falsifying records in this way is usually a misdemeanor in New York, but if it was done to cover up another crime, it can turn into a felony. The idea here is that the hush money payment constituted an improper political donation because it benefited Mr. Trump so close to the election. The crime for which the mainstream media and the conservative establishment as well, are justifying as a worthy effort to get Trump is based on the idea that this alleged hush money payment allegedly constituted an alleged violation of campaign finance law even after federal authorities have said it does not. Pyramiding two transgressions of state rules to go after a federal candidate is legally plausible. Well, if it's legally plausible, why did you just make up the word pyramiding? (laughs) The whole sentence is just made up. But the strategy is also novel and courts may regard it with skepticism. What's more, the potential campaign finance charge itself is shaky. When federal prosecutors charged former Senator John Edwards with a similar crime following his 2008 presidential run, he rebutted the accusation by arguing he was trying to disguise his faithlessness from his wife rather than from the voting public. The trial ended in acquittal on one count and a hung jury on others, at which point the Justice Department dropped the charges. Breaches of campaign finance law undermine democracy and deserve to be taken seriously. Yet the potential downsides of indicting Mr. Trump ought to be taken seriously, too. This prosecution is now bound to be the test case for any future former president, as well as, of course, proceedings against this former president in particular, of which there are plenty. Oh, yes, the number, the number matters so much. The illegitimacy of all these cases doesn't matter at all. It just matters that there's lots of them. So that the Democrats can be like, oh, oh, really? You're going to say you're going to say that Trump isn't a criminal, even though there's like like uh, four, four investigations, (laughs) like looking into him criminally. Hey, hey, guys, how many are happening about Joe Biden right now? How many are happening about every single person you've ever voted for? We legitimately are dealing with the stupidest people on Earth. 
And to even pretend that the editorial board of the Washington Post cares about campaign finance violations is preposterous. If they cared about that, they'd be talking about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in this paragraph, but they're not. They're talking about Donald Trump, whose campaign finance violations they can't even prove. The premise of this entire thing is that the alleged thing must also have been a campaign finance violation. And together that equates to a felony because they can't get the campaign finance violation and they can't get a felony on anything related to the payment. It's good that they've recognized this as a test case for any future former president. What about any president? What if blowing up our norms in this way could actually present them with problems in the future. What about, for that matter, presidential candidates? I thought that was out of bounds. Wasn't that what Donald Trump was impeached for in the first impeachment hoax about Ukraine? Other investigations underway include Justice Department examinations of the January 6th, 2021 insurrection and classified documents discovered at Mar-a-Lago where the possibility of obstruction of justice is particularly grave, except there's nothing in either one of those either. These are straightforward cases compared with the one proceeding in Manhattan. A failed prosecution over the hush money payment could put them all in jeopardy, as well as provide Mr. Trump ammunition for his accusations of witch hunt, in light of which House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was right to urge supporters to refrain from protesting. Public perception and political strategy shouldn't dissuade a district attorney from bringing a solid case, but neither should they persuade him to bring a shaky one. This prosecution needs to be airtight. Otherwise, it's not worth continuing. Well, hey, editorial board, it sounds like it might already be too late. You already did the thing, didn't you? The indictment is already there. Congratulations, Alvin Bragg. You have broken the seal. Now the seal is fully broken. Now you can't talk about your norms ever again because there's no crime there and you're still arguing for the violation of the norms. Imagine having pushed for the imprisonment and exile from society of Donald Trump for nearly eight years. Finally, getting to the point of societal moral degradation that would allow an illegitimate administration to prosecute a political opponent on drummed up charges because they're scared of that political opponent and then getting stuck with describing the situation as having shaky public perception and political strategy. It reminds me of that idiom about the dog who caught the car, a line so well delivered by Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. The dog has finally caught the car and has no idea what to do with it. And while this is the most blatant abuse of our justice system in pursuing political opponents, it's certainly not the first that we've seen in the last few years. Kanakoa the Great put together a nice little list. April 28th, 2021, they seized Rudy Giuliani's cell phones. June 24th of that year, they raided George Dixon, who was making a Joe Biden corruption documentary. On November 6th of 2021, they raided James O'Keefe, 
for reporting on Ashley Biden's diary. On November 15th, they arrested Steve Bannon for citing executive privilege. On June 3rd, 2022, they arrested Peter Navarro for citing executive privilege. On June 27th of 2022, they seized Trump attorney John Eastman's cell phone. On August 9th, they seized Representative Scott Perry's cell phone. On September 14th of last year, they seized Mike Lindell's cell phone. And finally, yesterday, they have indicted President Trump. And you might also think about how they pursued the parents of school children who wanted to protect their children, labeling them domestic terrorists. And that's without touching the very violent insurrection disaster. Naturally, Donald Trump responded last night in a statement. He wrote, this is political persecution and election interference at the highest level in history. From the time I came down the golden escalator at Trump Tower, and even before I was sworn in as your president of the United States, the radical left Democrats, the enemy of hardworking men and women of this country, have been engaged in a witch hunt to destroy the Make America Great Again movement. You remember it just like I do. Russia, Russia, Russia. The Mueller hoax. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment hoax one. Impeachment hoax two. The legal and unconstitutional Mar-a-Lago raid. And now this. The Democrats have lied, cheated, and stolen in their obsession with trying to get Trump. But now they've done the unthinkable, indicting a completely innocent person in an act of blatant election interference. Never before in our nation's history has this been done. The Democrats have cheated countless times over the decades, including spying on my campaign. But weaponizing our justice system to punish a political opponent who just so happens to be a president of the United States and by far the leading Republican candidate for president has never happened before, ever. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg, who was handpicked and funded by George Soros, is a disgrace. Rather than stopping the unprecedented crime wave taking over New York City, he's doing Joe Biden's dirty work, ignoring the murders and burglaries and assaults he should be focused on. This is how Bragg spends his time. I believe this witch hunt will backfire massively on Joe Biden. The American people realize exactly what the radical left Democrats are doing here. Everyone can see it. So our movement and our party, united and strong, will defeat Alvin Bragg, and then we will defeat Joe Biden. And we are going to throw every last one of these crooked Democrats out of office so we can make America great again. And we'll get to some of the Soros stuff in a few minutes. Trump mentioned how Alvin Bragg isn't pursuing crime in New York City and is still going forward with this political persecution. Dave Marcus tweeted last night on Twitter, and this is a perfect tweet. I got to give it to him. He's generally way too establishment for my taste, but he nails it here. The irony here is that Alvin Bragg doesn't prosecute anyone who shoots people on Fifth Avenue, which, of course, recalls when Donald Trump said that his supporters would still back him even if he had shot someone on Fifth Avenue. It's important to remember how hilarious all this stuff is. Carrie Lake made a statement last night in support of Donald Trump. She wrote, this is a dark moment in the history of our nation. The radical left and their weaponized criminal justice system have crossed all legal and ethical lines in an attempt to destroy President Donald J. Trump. Jailing your political opponents based on politically motivated grievances is something you'd expect to see out of third world dictatorships or banana republics. 
But now, after a years long assault on our Constitution, the radical left has accelerated this country's descent into a broken system that allows for the political persecution of anyone who threatens the status quo. President Trump denies any wrongdoing. He has produced multiple pieces of evidence from the grand jury's star witnesses, Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen, refuting these allegations. The DA has no case. This political prosecution should receive bipartisan condemnation. The precedent this sets threatens to further divide a country already on the verge of tearing itself apart. Only cowards are willing to bend the law in order to silence the will of the American people. I unequivocally stand beside President Donald J. Trump and in defense of the rule of law. I am calling on all others to do the same. This is from The Hill last night. McCarthy vows to hold Bragg and his unprecedented abuse of power to account. Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Thursday vowed to hold Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg and his unprecedented abuse of a power to account after news broke that former President Trump has been indicted by a New York grand jury, the first time a sitting or former U.S. president has faced criminal charges. McCarthy argued Bragg, quote, irreparably damaged our country in an attempt to interfere in our presidential election, as Trump is in the middle of a 2024 campaign for another four years in the White House. As he routinely frees violent criminals to terrorize the public, he weaponized our sacred system of justice against President Donald Trump. The American people will not tolerate this injustice, and the House of Representatives will hold Alvin Bragg and his unprecedented abuse of power to account, McCarthy said. McCarthy has been dismissive of Bragg's investigation, calling it the weakest case out there. Other Republican voices and Trump allies have piled on in criticizing the Manhattan prosecutor's case as politically motivated. Earlier this month, though, the speaker publicly disagreed with Trump's calls for his supporters to protest the possible indictment. Protests take our nation back, Trump had said after he shared that he expected to be arrested. I don't think people should protest this stuff, McCarthy said. And as far as protests go, we shall see. It seems like there might be some effort toward that for Tuesday of last week. Nancy Pelosi herself weighed in. She wrote, the grand jury has acted upon the facts and the law. No one is above the law and everyone has the right to a trial to prove innocence. Hopefully the former president will peacefully respect the system which grants him that right. So the total inversion within the false reality fully on display here. Our system of justice, as it's always been described for us, as it's guaranteed in our founding documents, but apparently no longer matters to people who care more about pragmatic political expedience, puts the prosecution in the position of having to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. The accused does not have to prove his innocence ever. She also doesn't say a fair trial. She just says a trial, a show trial will do just like they were happy to watch a show trial for the January 6th committee. They don't want a defense. They don't want to look at the facts. They want to see Trump behind bars because Trump scares them. They are obsessed with Donald Trump almost eight years into this period, and they are obsessed with hating Donald Trump. Why? Because they inadvertently walk themselves into a hate movement. 
They are so convinced they are right, even after being absolutely wrong about everything for years and years on end. But if Donald Trump goes to jail, oh, that makes them right about everything. That's how they view this. They need this to justify everything they've believed, they've said, and they've done. And they're still not going to get it. Alvin Bragg, the ridiculous communist DA in Manhattan, shot back. This is from today in the Washington Post. Bragg's office accuses House Republicans of unlawful political interference. The office of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg on Friday urged House Republicans to withdraw a demand for information regarding its case against former President Donald Trump continuing to rebuff what it characterized as an unlawful political interference in an ongoing criminal case. In a letter to the three committee chairmen who are pressing for documents and testimony about Trump's case, Leslie B. Dubeck, the general counsel for Bragg's office, chastised them for choosing to quote unquote collaborate with the former president who is now under indictment. A Manhattan grand jury had been hearing evidence about alleged hush money payments from Trump to adult film actress Stormy Daniels during the 2016 presidential campaign and voted to indict Trump on Thursday. As you are no doubt aware, former President Trump has directed harsh invective against District Attorney Bragg and threatened on social media that his arrest or indictment in New York may unleash death and destruction, Dubeck wrote. As committee chairman, you could use the stature of your office to denounce these attacks and urge respect for the fairness of our justice system. Again, said by someone who right now is working to prosecute a political opponent on drummed up charges that had already passed the statute of limitations. Instead, Dubeck wrote, they had chosen to collaborate with Trump to, quote, vilify and denigrate the integrity of elected state prosecutors and trial judges by making unfounded allegations that the investigation was politically motivated. And it's nice how they throw in that word elected, isn't it? To try to explain that this is what the people really want, even though the people don't want this. And the truth is, by the way, New York's elections are totally compromised and corrupted. They don't have free and fair elections in New York. We focus on the swing states and talk about how bad elections are in Maricopa County and Fulton County, how bad they are in Philadelphia and Detroit. We never talk about how bad they are in California, in Oregon, in Washington, in Illinois, in New York, all of these deep blue states. We ignore the fact that they are this deep blue because their election fraud systems have been in place a lot longer. They've been able to shift the narrative so much in those states that even the residents of those states believe that the state just must be that blue. But they're not the most blue. They're just the most stolen. Again, the elections are a reflection back to the people of what the people think and who they are. And with the understanding that elections are free and fair, that makes sense. Unfortunately, the elections are not free and they're not fair. And we don't have one person, one vote. But thank goodness they always mention how elected their winners are. We urge you to refrain from these inflammatory accusations. Withdraw your demand for information. 
and let the criminal justice process proceed without unlawful political interference, Dubeck wrote. Well, hey, if it's unlawful, you don't have to worry about it. You just take it to court, right? And then the law will decide, the courts will decide whether or not it's unlawful and whether or not they can proceed. Why do you want them to rescind their demand for information? It's just information. You're not doing your jobs the wrong way, are you? Give them the information. I'm sure everything will be just fine. Her letter is the latest in exchange with Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan, House Administration Committee Chairman Brian Steele, and Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer. In a letter to Bragg's office last week, the chairman said they were seeking documents because Congress may consider legislation to shield former presidents from state criminal investigations for personal acts. Dubeck noted that they did not cite that rationale in their original request, accusing them of inventing, quote, a baseless pretext to interfere with our office's work. Well, hey, good luck, commies. Let's take that one all the way to the end and make sure we get a perfect decision about what the rule actually is so that in the future we have it all on the record. Let's get the system totally locked in. Let's get all the rules in place, agreed to and supported by both sides. We'll even let you draw the lines on the field. Okay, you draw them however you like. We're down to play your game and we will beat you at that game. You decide all the rules. Let's lock them into place so the entire public knows. And then let's just hit the field and play and we'll see how it goes. No one on our side is afraid of this. And no review of responses would be complete without getting a response from Ron exclamation point. He or someone in his office who writes his tweets said this on Twitter yesterday. The weaponization of the legal system to advance a political agenda turns the rule of law on its head. It is un-American. The Soros-backed Manhattan DA has consistently bent the law to downgrade felonies and to excuse criminal misconduct. Yet now he is stretching the law to target a political opponent. Florida will not assist in an extradition request given the questionable circumstances at issue with this Soros-backed Manhattan prosecutor and his political agenda. Now, that statement is largely correct. That's fine. That crosses the lowest possible bars. Two mentions of George Soros. Again, we'll come back to that in just a minute. He says that he will not assist in an extradition. Not that Ron did anything to stand in the way of the illegal raid of Mar-a-Lago, but at least he's not saying he's going to just outright help Alvin Bragg. So that's something. He did not mention Donald Trump by name. He stuck to the principles of the situation here. Generally speaking, the circumstances of the issue are, in fact, not questionable. They are pretty well known. There is no basis for a prosecution here. It is a blatant abuse of the justice system. But Ron doesn't say that and he doesn't mention Trump. Now, again, all of it could be optics. All of it could be kayfabe. I know that people are going to stick to that. I am still 100% open to that being true. But the thing is, you can't just assume it's true and start building your beliefs from there while ignoring the possibility that it's not true. I believe that there is 
probably a great deal of kayfabe happening out there. It doesn't mean that we're able to correctly identify every single instance of it. And then we should just assume that we can. And then whenever we've decided that an instance is kayfabe, just take it as a given that we're right. As disappointing as it may be to some people, you have to at least explore the possibility that this is just who Ron is and Donald Trump has exposed something real here. We can give Ron the benefit of the doubt and assume that all of this was done to pull all of the fake conservatives out of the woodwork, shine a spotlight on them so everyone can see. If that was the goal, that goal has been well accomplished. But if it's not just that, then there is something wrong with Ron. And if that's the case, this tweet isn't some overwhelming endorsement of Donald Trump's innocence. In fact, it's entirely possible that the same people running this draft Ron movement, the DeSantis simp movement, the Bush dynasty, the Carl Roves and Paul Ryans of the world, they get information. They know what's going on behind the scenes. Are they pushing Ron just to see if they can divide MAGA? Did they think that they were going to weaken Donald Trump enough so that when these political prosecutions begin, everyone's just going to get sick of Donald Trump and move on? That's what the DeSantis simps were out there saying yesterday. Trump has too much drama. Now he's been indicted. It's time to just move on. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Aren't you ready to move on now? We've made fun of Donald Trump and you for six months. Aren't you ready to move on? Hey, guys, it's not going to happen. You're never going to win. You're not honest. You don't have integrity. You don't care about the country. And we don't care about you. You're not smarter than us. You're not better at this than us. We are going to crush you. And let's add one more wrinkle to this before we more fully explore their ridiculous info op that is destined to fail. It's honestly so embarrassing what these people are doing. Sundance, the anonymous writer at the conservative treehouse, his Twitter account is the last refuge too. And he wrote last night, yup, it's true. What timing created at 2 PM today, scheduled for April 4th committee approval, the resign to run rule being changed for Ron DeSantis. And he is quote tweeting. The filing of a proposed bill in Florida to eliminate their resign to run rule so that Ron DeSantis can run for president and continue being the governor of Florida at the same time. Now, this only makes it possible for Ron to run. The Republican establishment can get this done and get this passed without any hope legitimately of Ron actually running. This is just a step in that process. It doesn't mean that Governor DeSantis is the one behind all this, although it will get very interesting if he goes ahead and signs it. Now, we are being told by DeSantis simps online who have absolutely no idea about how the world actually works or are just simply willing to lie about it all the time that the timing of this coming out, it came out at 2 p.m. and the indictment didn't come out until slightly after 5 p.m., that there's no way the two things could be related. They're totally disconnected because the Florida thing happened first, not as a result of the indictment, you see. It's just a big coincidence. And apparently they think that people are actually going to believe it. You've got 
a former president, George W. Bush, and his family dynasty, Jeb Bush, other Bushes. They still got some Bushes in Texas. They got some Bushes in Florida. Probably got some Bushes all over the place. And Karl Rove and Paul Ryan, they can't get a few hours warning on whether or not an indictment's going to come down. Sure they can. They can absolutely do that. They are every bit as much of the regime as Alvin Bragg and George Soros and Barack Obama and Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton. It's all the same thing. So the timing of that decision relative to the timing of the announcement of the indictment does not in any way prove that this is just a coincidence and not related. And as you might imagine, these people have their narrative entirely coordinated. They are pushing a few certain talking points, the most important of which is the George Soros talking point. And in this, we will see how controlled opposition works. One of the lead DeSantis simps, Kurt Schlichter, retweeted this post by Charles C.W. Cook from the National Review this morning. And this is the same National Review, by the way, that just this morning published a piece from Jay Nordlinger calling the fact that Russia will be chairing the U.N. Security Council next month as they are scheduled to do an obscenity. Again, what are they scared of? But Kurt Schlichter retweets this post from Charles C.W. Cook saying, that's the idea. Cook says, as part of a thread on George Soros, and I'll read the piece he wrote in just a second, but he wrote, we cannot live in a country in which only one side gets to speak. In his Wall Street Journal piece, Soros wrote, judging by the results, the public likes what it's hearing. If when members of the public say actually no, they're accused of anti-Semitism. We don't have a two-sided debate. Oh, what a brilliant insight, Charlie Cook. What bothers me the most about this reflex is how transparently self-serving it is. It's just a good old-fashioned shut up with a few baubles and adornments hanging off the side. It would be like me accusing everyone who disagrees with me of being anti-immigrant. Stop it. And of course, he's talking about the defense always used for George Soros that any criticism of Soros is anti-Semitic. Even though George Soros himself literally worked with Nazis in World War II Hungary and is now a major factor in the World Economic Forum, which is a literal outgrowth of Nazism. These people fully support the war in Ukraine, where they are supporting actual Nazis and denying they're doing it. But here is Charlie Cook's piece this morning in the National Review. George Soros is no more exempt from criticism than anyone else. Joe Scarborough has decided that criticism of George Soros's involvement in politics is anti-Semitic and that America is thus Germany 1933. And he includes clips from MSNBC's broadcasts about Donald Trump's indictment. First, Joy Reid. It is a statement without dignity. Uh, the governor of Florida does not know the facts, so he cannot talk about questionable facts in this case. He doesn't know them. Only the grand jury knows, and this is a sealed indictment. So he's making a statement about something he doesn't know the answer to and throwing out, as you said, Andrew, dog whistles. You know, historically, this um, meme, this idea among uh, the right that African-Americans, that black folks who are uh, in positions 
um, are controlled uh, by some Jewish overseer who's pulling their strings. That's what that statement reads like. And perhaps this governor should maybe read a history book to speak because he might not understand what he is channeling. But he is channeling an era in American history that is one of the most ugly that he's probably not allowing to be taught in school. But that idea that this prosecutor and by the way, it's not just this prosecutor, Andrew, I'll I'll let you go on this and let you have a final word on it. It was a, a grand jury that looked at facts, that looked at evidence. And this grand jury took a vote, which is part of our system. And so for the governor of one of our largest states and most important states to throw out a miasma of words that are meant to trigger uh, the far right for his political ambitions that really do sound like that old meme that this black prosecutor must be under the secret control of this, you know, murky Jewish millionaire. That could be 1950. And it is it is not dignified. So that's Joy Reid telling Andrew Weissman how connecting Alvin Bragg to George Soros who does fund and back Alvin Bragg is anti-Semitism. And once again, that makes our side, the Nazis, not the side that's supporting actual Nazis, not the side that's supporting George Soros, who literally worked with actual Nazis, not the side that's supporting George Soros, who is literally a part of the worldwide Nazi movement. And if you don't believe me that that's what it is, I suggest you look more into the idea. Because they didn't stop, not at any point. They have not stopped. This is the comeback. And they really thought it was going to work this time. Charlie Cook adds one more post from MSNBC. Um, He can't help himself. Ron DeSantis embarrassed himself by saying he was going to fight extradition charges like he has any say. I mean, again, one more Republican that really just doesn't give a damn about the Constitution of the United States. Uh, and of course, you gotta, you, 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 you gotta just. What's this line? Look at the Soros just... back. No, it's just Jews. They're attacking Jewish no. international bankers. It's what anti-Semites have been doing for hundreds of years: attacking Jewish international bankers, and that's what they do. They try to blame everything on Jewish international bankers. It's Germany, 1933. But why does Ron DeSantis further embarrass himself by saying, I'm going to ignore the Constitution and I'm not going to extradite Trump to New York? So MSNBC for the child brains in their audience shows them how they are to respond if anyone brings up George Soros or international bankers. They don't have to be Jewish. There are certainly many Jewish people who are not George Soros, who are not international bankers and who just want to have a nice life. There are also many Jewish people and many people of every other background who don't want any of that. And those people right now are supporting a color revolution in Israel as we speak. But this is where the battle lines have been drawn between the overt and avowed communists in this country on the left and center left and the establishment that we are told is on the center right, even though there is no difference whatsoever between them and Democrats. The battle lines are drawn at George Soros. Let's explore why. And again, I think that George Soros is one of the most evil people on this planet. I am not in any way defending George Soros and never, ever would. 
That said, what we are seeing from the right is totally disingenuous. It is a complete and total lie and distraction because they don't want to talk about Donald Trump. Here's Charlie Cook. What Scarborough is saying here is absolute nonsense, and those at whom it is aimed should respond by assiduously ignoring it. George Soros is heavily engaged in American politics, and he is as liable to be criticized for that engagement as is anyone else. The phrase to which Scarborough objects is Soros-backed, which Governor DeSantis used yesterday to describe Alvin Bragg. And why did DeSantis say that Alvin Bragg is Soros-backed? I'll tell you. Because Alvin Bragg is backed by George Soros. Here's CNBC. Soros's $1 million check to the Color of Change Pack, the largest individual donation it received in the 2022 election cycle, came days after it endorsed Bragg for district attorney and pledged more than a million dollars in spending to support his candidacy, according to records. CNBC also notes that Soros has spent hundreds of millions of dollars in donations to back Democratic political campaigns, which, as it happened, I already knew because George Soros writes about it from time to time in public. Here, for example, is a recent column that Soros wrote for The Wall Street Journal. It's titled Why I Support Reform Prosecutors. It features George Soros's byline and only George Soros's byline, and it contains lines such as. I have been involved in efforts to reform the criminal justice system for the more than 30 years I have been a philanthropist. And this is why I have supported the election and more recently the re-election of prosecutors who support reform. I have done it transparently and I have no intention of stopping. And the funds I provide enable sensible reform-minded candidates to receive a hearing from the public. George Soros is not hiding his involvement in backing the election of the sort of prosecutors whom he prefers. We might call them Soros-backed prosecutors. And nor should he hide that involvement. This is America. In free countries, free people are allowed to argue for whichever sort of elected officials they prefer. And in return, other people are permitted to criticize them. There is nothing factually incorrect about Ron DeSantis's describing prosecutors who have been backed by Soros as Soros backed. There is nothing morally wrong with Ron DeSantis going on to criticize those prosecutors or the results they yield or George Soros for having helped them get there. And there is nothing anti-Semitic about Jews who hold political opinions being criticized for those political opinions, as would anyone else be. What Scarborough and co are trying to do and what so many within the media spend their day doing at the moment is shut down debate so that only one side is able to speak openly. This will not do. Now, we know that there is a history of George Soros funding media organizations to make claims about how any dissent from George Soros, any criticism of George Soros is anti-Semitic. George Soros propagates that narrative himself and through his own channels. Nonetheless, it is still very effective. Charles C.W. Cook wants everybody to know that George Soros has the right to say and do all these things because it is America. It is a free country and free people are allowed to argue for whichever sort of elected officials they prefer. That's what he says. But that's not true, is it? Because we have been censored by our own governments. Where was the National Review throughout that time? I used to subscribe to the National Review. I used to listen to their podcasts. 
I really liked Charles C.W. Cook, but they always told us about how Section 230 means Twitter is a private company. Facebook is a private company. Google is a private company. They can all do whatever they want. They can censor whomever they want. They just can't do it in league with the government. And then we find out that it was in league with the government. Do they take that into account? Do they admit it? Do they change their opinions? No, they still say we're a free country after having watched people whose side they are ostensibly on being censored for years still makes no difference. They're still going to claim we have a free country and we have to talk about how the people are responsible for electing these candidates after George Soros backs them. Soros makes his case to the people. He puts his money behind his case and then the people vote these candidates into office. Of course, that's a result of Charles C.W. denying that our elections are stolen, not just for Donald Trump, not just for Kerry Lake, but across the country everywhere at all levels of government from your little town all the way up to the president of the United States of America, your school boards, your city councils, your district attorneys, your sheriffs, your state representatives, your state senators, your governors, your attorney general, your secretary of state, your elections for federal officials, your congressmen, your senators, and yes, your president. All of those elections are stolen. They are obviously stolen. And anyone who bothered to check would know that the evidence is obvious and overwhelming. And no, the courts didn't dismiss all the cases. There have been elections ruled unconstitutional already, but no one knows it. There are ongoing cases all across the country, but everybody just pretends it's not true. Chris Krebs said our elections were the safest and most secure of all time. And I guess he couldn't be lying. Bill Barr said he hadn't seen any evidence from their investigations that shows that the elections were fraudulent in a way that could reverse them. But then again, he never had an investigation that's been proven. So really what they're down to in their argument that our elections are free and fair is just that we are told by the television that our elections are free and fair and members of the media tell us that our elections are free and fair because they are incentivized to remain within this system. They get power from this system. They have profited and grown in power over the last three years while Americans lives were decimated and they don't care. Not enough to check. So what do we have in response to the indictment of a former president of the United States from the DeSantis simps? Have they expressed that the United States is turning into a banana republic? No, not really. They can't express that because what would that mean? That would mean that maybe the leaders are illegitimate. That would mean that the leaders stole the elections and that's how they're in office. And they can't admit that because they have to be able to call Donald Trump a loser. Otherwise, there's no reason to replace Donald Trump with Ron exclamation point or Glenn Youngkin as the days of Glenn come upon us or whatever other D-list Republican national candidate they can find to take on the role of going against Donald Trump. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if all of these people just drop out, endorse Trump, 
And then the rhinos have to run Jeb exclamation point all over again. Maybe that's the play. But what are we seeing? We're seeing them make the George Soros point. And then we get to see an argument about whether or not criticizing George Soros is anti-Semitic and everyone can fight about that instead of actually focus on the underlying issue, which is that an illegitimate authoritarian dictatorship has arisen in our country in full view and they can't admit it. They can't admit that all of this is being done to stop Donald Trump because Donald Trump is the real threat. They want to take out Donald Trump and replace him with something, someone that the regime simply will not object to the same way they object to Donald Trump. And why? Because that person will do the bidding of the regime enough so that the regime's agenda continues to move forward. Are these people legitimately opposed to George Soros and George Soros's agenda? George Soros has called Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, and Xi Jinping the most dangerous person in the world. And a few weeks ago, he was complimenting Ron DeSantis as the guy who can take out Trump. The DeSantis simps explained to us then that George Soros wasn't actually endorsing Ron. He was just talking about how great Ron is, and everyone can see that. Everyone knows Ron is not on board with the Soros agenda. Get it, guys? Everybody knows. Except yesterday, we talked about how Ron is essentially implementing George Soros's agenda in Florida with the Live Local Act. Could it be something else? Yeah, it could be. Outside chance it could be. But George Soros isn't upset about that legislation. Maybe there's another explanation for it on Ron's behalf, but we haven't seen one. It's being touted by Republicans and Democrats as a good bill. They're going to spend all this money on affordable housing. Oh, that's going to solve all their problems. Houses in Florida are too expensive. Well, too expensive for whom? People who want to move to Florida. So you will what end up with less people moving to Florida and that is ruining the lives of Floridians. How it's ruining the lives of Floridians to the point where you need to spend $700 million building affordable housing and doing more to plan cities. Well, that doesn't make sense. These people went along with COVID, with lockdowns, with masks, with the vaccines. They certainly weren't rebuking the agenda of the global regime at that point. They repeated the very violent insurrection narrative, aiding the American Reichstag fire and the color revolution playbook. Whose playbook is that? George Soros's. Were they out there battling the demon at that point? Of course they weren't. They talked about how Donald Trump's wall was stupid and racist. Sure, they want to help the immigration problem and they're totally opposed to amnesty. But you can't build the wall because, of course, Republicans benefit from slave labor and Republicans benefit from the global initiative on human migration. You can't stop the human trafficking. We need those humans in other places. That's why we're moving them. 
despite the presence of actual Nazis and actual bioweapons labs in Ukraine, they support Ukraine against Russia's brutal invasion to the tune of well over a hundred billion dollars now. And who knows how many lives lost so that they can protect the global regime's stronghold of corruption and human trafficking and drug trafficking and money laundering in Ukraine. On behalf of whom? Who does that help? It helps George Soros. George Soros has been involved in two overthrows of Ukraine's government. And these very good conservatives are supporting the same side as Soros. And of course, they've spent the last two and a half years telling us that Joe Biden really did get 81 million real legal American votes and is a legitimate president. If they cheated, they did it legally. And you know what? Even if they didn't, there's just nothing we can do about it. The best thing is to move on. And who does that help? George Soros. So what in the world are they doing now? They're coming out and saying that the problem here is that this Soros-backed prosecutor is going after Donald Trump. You see, Soros is the only problem here. Donald Trump is a problem, but all oh, those Soros-backed prosecutors, you know they don't care about the law. Well, yeah, everyone knows that. We're the ones who've been saying it for the entire time. Donald Trump has been the one who's been fighting it the entire time. And we are told we have to replace him with Ron exclamation point because Ron put a Soros backed state attorney on timeout. This is how controlled opposition works. They can go after Soros. They seem like they're on our side. And so we trust them again. We say, oh, you know, well, maybe they're not fans of Trump, but at least they're really opposed to George Soros. And what do they do earlier in the week with the trans shooter thing? Well, hey, maybe they're not fans of Donald Trump, but at least they're speaking out against this awful trans agenda and against this horrific, brutal crime. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're so on our side because they agree with us every now and then about some things. You know, the ones we can all agree on, they're totally on our side there. But when it comes to the big issues, whose side are they on? Well, they're on George Soros's side. Isn't that crazy? So what in the world is going on here? If you were George Soros, what would you want to see out of this situation? You want to see your agenda advance. You want to stop Donald Trump at all costs. If it means that a bunch of rhino cucks are going to make fun of you for a few days. Yeah, you're going to take that, especially while you have your other side, your other friends who are pursuing the same agenda that you are telling everyone that insulting you at all is anti-Semitic. They're making it. The left is making it so that the position taken by the most cowardly people in the history of man, the current rhinos in the uniparty, no one is weaker than these people. No one is more dishonest than these people. And the left is making them look like the dangerous ones for talking about George Soros, which is going to lead people to be like, hey, 
You can't say that about Kurt Schlichter. You can't say that about the National Review. I know these people. They're not anti-Semites. Just look how they say they support Israel all the time. Yeah, sure they do. Just not enough to stop supporting Nazis in Ukraine. This is controlled opposition, my friends. I spent a lot of time last year talking about how 2023 was going to be about rhino hunting and that we had not seen our last betrayals. You got to learn to recognize these people for what they really are. There are very simple litmus tests. These people have passed none of them. And we are still pretending that they are somehow on our side because they don't like the trans thing and they don't like George Soros. Well, hey, that's the lowest possible bar to cross. Even Lindsey Graham properly crossed the bar within the last 24 hours. And he and his pal, the late trader John McCain, are responsible for a lot of what's going on in Ukraine. So what's behind all this? Hatred. They tried to destroy Kavanaugh because they wanted to keep the Supreme Court seat open. They're trying to destroy Donald Trump because they fear him at the ballot box. To the conservatives out there, make sure you vote. If you got friends, make sure they vote. If you don't have any friends, go make some friends. But you need to help this man, Donald J. Trump, They're trying to drain him dry. He spent more money on lawyers than most people spend on campaigns. They're trying to bleed him dry. DonaldJTrump.com. Go tonight. Give the president some money to fight this bullshit. This is going to destroy America. We're going to fight back at the ballot box. We're not going to give in. How does this end, Sean? Trump wins in court, and he wins the election. That's how this wins. Ends. Now, what to make of Lindsey Graham saying all that? Who knows? But that's the maddest I've heard Lindsey Graham since last year when he was talking about nuking Russia. It's good to know that he does get excited about something other than warmongering, though. And here is Rick Grinnell with the right response. Also want to speak to anybody who has been maybe a DeSantis supporter or a Nikki Haley supporter or Vivek supporter. Uh, Look, I I think that it's really important to understand what the Democrats are doing to Republicans. And you're naive to think that this is just about Donald Trump. This is about every single Republican, anyone who challenges the power of the Democrats. And so I think that um, all the other candidates, all the other Republican candidates should drop out tonight. They should announce their support for Donald Trump. We should unify as a party and we should say we are not going to allow this to happen to the United States of America. Mm. I think for the people who maybe have been on the fence about Trump, uh, maybe they don't like mean tweets or something. I think they they have to understand that you have to stop asking Donald Trump to be a nice guy because nice guys are what the Democrats want. They want us as Republicans to take this high road somehow. And they don't want a fighter. They yeah. don't want someone who is going to come in and change the system. So they keep they've calling been, for someone presidential or something. Yeah. And I think they've got to stop. They've been, I mean, for, for the last, you know, at least 40, 50 years in this country, they've been dragging soft Republicans like, like Mitt Romney uh, to the left. I mean, this country has moved so far to the left 
uh, in the last 40, 50 years. It's just astonishing. They count on Republicans feeling some kind of guilt for the way that they vote or what they believe. And they feel like they can just drag you over. You need somebody that's going to fight. They might say all the right things, but they are vicious. We're learning that tonight. So where are they? Where are those Republican candidates dropping out of the race, throwing their support behind Donald Trump? We don't need a primary. We don't need to hear the arguments from all sides. I mean, we can. I'm not afraid of it. Go ahead and bring it on if that's what you want to do. But if you want to show that you actually care about the country, get out there and support the man who is actually defending the country and who did have his election stolen from him. The man who is currently the duly elected president of the United States. He was elected. Joe Biden was never elected. There is only Trump. Anything else makes you complicit in this massive injustice against this country that has been ongoing since Donald Trump came down the escalator. And he was correct to note it. Think about what we've seen since then. From his very first speech, they lied about what he said about the immigration problem. He said they're not sending their best. They're sending murderers and rapists. They accused him of calling Hispanic people murderers and rapists. Doesn't make any sense. They pulled the same trick with the whole Charlottesville thing, saying he said there were very fine people on both sides when he explicitly said, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white supremacists who should be condemned completely. They spied on Donald Trump's campaign. They created a completely fake steel dossier and then used it to try to destroy him all the while talking about how Donald Trump couldn't call them out on any of it. If he said what they were honestly doing, he was attacked for violating the norms. He was the one playing dirty. Always turning the thing around. They accused Trump of stealing the election. They called him an illegitimate president. They said he colluded with Russia to win and that he was Putin's stooge while in office. They did everything they could to undermine the duly elected president of the United States of America. They took his national security advisor, Michael Flynn, off the table with drummed up charges from the FBI. They launched the Mueller investigation that undermined his entire presidency with these similar lies. They did Michael Avenatti and Stormy Daniels. Michael Avenatti went to prison. Stormy Daniels owes Donald Trump about a half a million dollars. They tried to impeach Donald Trump because he was investigating Joe Biden in Ukraine for crimes against America that Joe Biden provably committed. One of the most corrupt politicians in American history, quite possibly the most corrupt politician in American history. But Donald Trump can't investigate crimes against America, as is his duty as president, because it's a political opponent, a potential political opponent at the time in Joe Biden. And they impeached him for it. Then they impeached him after he was no longer president for inciting an insurrection. And left out the part where Trump said, peacefully and patriotically, march down to the Capitol and make our voices heard. Doesn't matter how many feds were there mixed in with the crowd. Doesn't matter whether or not the Capitol Police initiated the violence by firing smoke grenades and tear gas on peaceful protesters in the United States. None of that matters. Let's impeach Donald Trump. 
They operate a veritable slave trade on the southern border. The women and children are kidnapped and raped and trafficked. They bring in terrorists. They bring in fentanyl. And if you argue, they say you're racist. They have given away American energy dominance. Why? Well, because we got to save the planet from the sun. They sabotage the Nord Stream pipelines and they're supporting Nazis in Ukraine while calling us Nazis. They supported medical segregation and vaccine mandates, but justify the killing of babies by saying our body, our choice. These people have no principles and it doesn't matter to keep pointing out that they're hypocrites. That should be taken as a given. They're playing full on power politics and almost all of that power is abstract projected power. It's not real power. As soon as you stop believing that they have any ability to do any of this, it looks entirely different. And the way to react to it becomes pretty clear. You don't have to be scared of any of this. They're going to keep doing it until they are stopped. They will be stopped by the people when the people wake up and push back. When the people finally say no and refuse to comply, their power isn't real. It's imaginary. The only way it becomes real is by the people believing in it. That's why they have to control the narrative and censor everything that could ever hurt their agenda and their narrative. Don't get caught up talking about George Soros and arguing about anti-Semitism. Call this for exactly what it is. America has become a banana republic, a laughingstock of the world. We have a totally illegitimate fake president in office, an illegitimate administration who cannot accomplish anything. It's not even clear they know what's going on. And we just pretend everything's normal and continue having the conversation that's being had in the mainstream about whether or not it's anti-Semitic to complain about George Soros. We talk about the salaciousness of a porn star. We talk about how there are potential other indictments on the horizon. The entire thing is illegitimate. Go all the way down to the bottom and that's what you find. So start there. Everyone knows what they're witnessing. They would name it and label it if it were happening anywhere else but here. And all the cards are on the table now because Trump has brought them all out of the woodwork. Shine the light on them. We know who they are. React properly. These are not your friends. None of this would be happening if they hadn't covered up the theft of American elections. Think about what these people have supported and convinced others to support. Actual Nazis in Ukraine at the beginning of 2022 after everything else. But that wasn't enough. They kept going. They nominated Katanji Brown Jackson for the Supreme Court, despite her leniency on pedophiles. And they argued that she was great because she was a black woman and that the pedophile thing. Oh, well, that that's not that's not really true. And even if it was true, that doesn't make her a bad person. She just, you know, has a different view on pedophiles. The same people who, by the way, can't define what a woman is. 
Ketanji Brown Jackson was asked in the hearings to define a woman and she couldn't do it because she's not a biologist. They watched another election stolen right out in the open and Republicans helped defend the position. Oh, it was Donald Trump's fault for nominating these people who couldn't win like Carrie Lake. And now they are applauding the indictment and potential arrest of a political opponent who is not only by far the most popular politician in America, but also probably the most popular politician in the world and maybe the most popular politician of all time. These people have crossed a Rubicon. There is no coming back. If they're not out there talking about how this is a grave injustice against Donald Trump and against this nation, that is going to be a permanent stain on their character. And it's never going to wash off. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!